everybody, listen up. This is Dee Snyder, formerly of Twisted Sister. Yeah, you know me. And you're listening to Appetite for Distortion with my best buddy and big toe, Brenda. Distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 279. My name is Brando. Hello, Mr. D. Snyder. Pleasure Impressive. to have you. 279. That's the accomplishment, man. Well done. Thank you. It's no house of hair or anything like that. Yeah, I think it's 1,250 episodes, 25th year. Crazy. Yeah. But you'll get there. You said 25th year you've been doing house of hair? 25 years, yeah. Wow. And, and another 25th anniversary, something you know since you're a hometown New York boy like myself, uh, Q104.3 just celebrated 25 years in New York City. That's right. That's right. Yep. Yep. They, they, they mentioned that to me. So as somebody who comes from where you come from, I mean, it's, you know, Baldwin, Long Island and, and seeing what you've been able to accomplish. I mean, I have no musical talent, but on the radio and acting and voiceovers, it's hard to believe because you've been quoted as saying that at the end of 2019, you thought it was you were done. I don't know if I would. Would you think that would have stayed if you if that continued, I guess, that feeling that you were done? Well, I really felt I, I'm, I'm talking about recording and, and live performing. I okay. mean, I well knew that I was uh, I was going to be writing. You know, I've been working on my writing um, uh, for the last 30 plus years. So I've written my first fictional novel, uh, which is set on Long Island in the 70s, as a matter of fact. Oh, nice. I I wrote a new movie uh, called My Enemy's Enemy, which I'm going to be directing. I've co-created a children's uh, animated kids show that's uh, with NBC right now being developed. So I I knew that I had tons of other things that I was going to do. I just thought that I was feeling like, okay, I think I'm ready to put down the mic and move on to do other things. Oh, okay. So then, but uh, thankfully you didn't move on completely. So how long did Leave a Scar take to record from beginning to to end? How long was that process? It was somewhere in the middle of 2020 where I found myself um, saying to myself, I got to rock again. And it was kind of made me laugh because it was such an obvious statement that I'm pretty sure everybody was saying at that point sure. after so many months watching, you know, binge watching TV. And, um, and, uh, and I, I, I said, oh, boy, if that's, if that's not a D Snyder song title, I don't know what is. <laughs> and when I used to write songs, I would always work from song titles. I would jot down and I would have a list of song titles and that would inspire the song. And so I wrote down, I got to rock again. And I started, and then that started the process of just thinking about it, but it was really a tweet and for those watching who don't think that social media affects people, I don't think a single, a single statement or single reaction or single comment can trigger something. It can. It has historically. So many things have happened because one letter was written to the right person. Mm-hmm. 
and and I was ranting about the state of politics uh, at one point during the election period and um, ranting that people needed to push back, fight back, stand up, make their voice heard. Don't let the extreme left and extreme right drive this fucking bus. They are minorities. They think they're majorities because they sit in these chat rooms, uh, FaceTime with 100,000 people and go, we're 100,000 strong. Well, guess what, asshole? There's 7 billion people on the planet. You're nothing. You're insignificant. You're a fucking speck. You're 100,000. It's nothing. But they feel like it's something. Mm -hmm. So that makes them, empowers them. So I was trying to empower the vast middle. And somebody said, D, not all of us have a platform or the voice to speak out what are we supposed to do and i said well get behind somebody who's speaking for you and then i realized that's me that's that's the job that i've carved out for myself and i said okay i gotta rock again somebody has to speak up on behalf of the of the voiceless it's time for me to do a new record and that's when i picked up the phone to jasta so uh that was like middle of the year i'd say it was about the whole process, six to nine months. But talking about like getting the machine going, starting to write, work on the songs, creating the songs, getting the studio, recording, mixing, everything like that. So it was, you know, six to nine months, I'd say. All right. That's not too bad, actually. And, six and, to nine COVID months. So, and I think it could have been true. faster if not for COVID. Okay. But I was in Belize, you know, there in Connecticut. You know, uh, it, it wasn't impossible. But it wasn't as easy as just like, hey, meet in the studio. Let's start jamming, you know? Oh, okay. All right. Right on. So what? I guess with, with that, because you're someone I think of when people say rock is dead. I'm like, then, then do something about it. You, you're doing something about it. And I was talking to Josh Todd about this, about the new Buckcherry album, and he's really good at this. And if he's really good at it, it means that you are, you're, you're the grandfather, the godfather I don't, of it. That's an anthemic song. Yeah. So was that the plan, I guess, when you were like, I want to you know, make music again and go out and tour on an album? Was it to make hard, anthemic music? Or is there maybe a... Because you, you, you have a, quite a, a lot of different crayons in your crayon box of ways you can go. Yeah, yeah. I like to see. I, I think I've expanded it to the big box. I may have started with a little, like the, like the, the eight, six colors, whatever, like the small box was. Sure. But then I've, I've been adding more and more crayons. And I mean, you know, just getting into the weird ones, you know, with Broadway and, and radio and TV and direct, now I'm going to be directing a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit, I didn't have that palette. Uh, but it, but I've, I've expanded it. Look, you know, you hit on a very important, the, nothing makes me crazier than the words rock and roll is dead. It is so selfish. It is so self-serving. It is so uh, self-absorbed, self-this, self-that. It's just, it's just wrong. And it's like, get out of your fucking house, open your fucking ears and eyes, and just look around. Stop doing this. And just, and my God, you, you only have to turn left or right, and you, you'll just trip over a damn band that's trying to make it with very little effort. Um, and I'm blessed in that I, my children are all metalheads, and they have kept me connected to what's going on, and not just metal. Uh, I became uh, an Eminem fan when my son was ten and wanted the album with Stan on it. Mm. And being true to my words in Washington, I listened to it, and then sat and discussed it with my son. And, and we had a very, very important conversation about suicide, thanks to Stan. You know, using it as a tool. Mm. But 
I but but they exposed me to that as well. But um, I they have kept me aware of not only that there's new music, but there's great music. When Gene Simmons says, "Oh, you know, let me tell you something. There's no Bob Dylan's or Jimi Hendrix. No, you're just not looking. The talent and the passion." Because it's pure passion now. There's no, they don't have these young kids don't even have a hope of getting rich doing it. Their their best be, their best hope is that maybe we make enough money selling CDs and T-shirts after the show to get to the next fucking gig. Mm. You know what I mean? That, it's so real. It's so heartfelt. It's so for the love of rock and roll. Um, makes me crazy when people say rock is dead crazy which is why it's so appropriate that your your last song is called stand and everything we're talking about now it's like stand up for something do something and again throughout my entire you know rock consciousness which again if you're especially for me if you're from long island and twisted sisters from there and you've always stood up for something everything you know so it's, it's good to see that yeah you're supporting new rock new music but you're also you're still consistent you know, your message hasn't changed and you're not bitter about it. You know, Thank you for recognizing that. And I'm fairly proud of that. You know, when I look back to and I keep uh, somebody just interviewed me about uh, censorship things. So for a book. So I've kind of like st- there. But I just pointed out that my son was three. I had one three year old child and I stood there and I said, this is who I am. This is the kind of parent I am. This is my belief system. This is how I will deal with music with my children i'm not afraid you know does it you know how difficult is it to listen to one an album a month for the betterment of your child and i have lived those words and still stand by everything i have not changed an iota and my belief system has not changed and so many of my peers when they got money became suddenly right wing <laughs> suddenly they're they're right wing fox watchers and like i uh, what what happened to socially being socially conscious Weren't you when you were in your 20s and you were broke and poor? Yeah, but now I got money and uh, fuck those people. You know, (laughs) so I haven't changed my belief system at all. And stand. Yeah, it is a call to action Uh, on so many levels. And, you know, and I just find that we've uh, the vast middle moderates whatever you want to call them and we lean left we lean right i'm a i'm a concealed carrier pro choice women's right activist you know fight censorship but I, you know i i'm a little this way and that way i mean that's the way most people are but we tend for the last decades these are our words i'm sure things will work out i i hope it'll I, um i trust things will be okay uh, it usually comes back to the middle. Guess what? And this isn't just the United States. This is the fucking world. It doesn't. It didn't. And those crazies on the left and the right, the extremes of minorities in those face Facebook rooms who think they're hundred thousand strong. Fuck you. There they think you know that they think they're driving the bus because we sat there going, I trust it'll work out. Well, that's the line of the song. No more trusting. Put your name on that wall. Fucking leave a scar get do something and that goes with music as well that goes for music as well and it's not just politics and you're out there you know physically doing it and, and also with the music but i like that you're active on twitter and you're because it can get so frustrating 
you know, with all the I, trolls. I'm an animal. Uh, Jamie, Jamie came up with a song <laughs> title. Um, uh, there's a song title on there, uh, uh, Open Season. Yeah. He goes, Jesus Christ, D. He goes, I, people come come after you? He go, oh, shit, it's open season. Here they go. D's like, so, did you talking to me? And just blow them out of the fucking water. <laughs> Next. So I so we wrote, that's what the song Open Season. I was going to ask you about that. Wow, I didn't even know that because that's one of my favorite tracks. I listened to the whole record already because I'm I guess I'm privy and it's the a great, first great song. Line it's is, got Twitter. Hey motherfucker, are you kidding me? <laughs> like that's because that's what that's I was like. What who I, is this about? I'm like, it's about the Twitterverse. Oh, it's about the trolls. It's about I love the trolls. It. Great. I'm like I was like, what did you say? Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> Fuck you. You know, and then move on. So yes. I like I like you and Sebastian Bach were very funny, and, and you even tweeted the support. And you know, not that you expected a response, but at Axl Rose, because there was a time that he was he was vo- he was voicing it. He was voicing his displeasure against Trump and against the right. And I'm like you, my Venn diagram is everywhere. I can I can be think I I'm a registered no party like I have no party affiliation. Same here. It's probably the best way to just be, be a good person. Yeah, you know? yeah. Sebastian was out. Not Sebastian, of course, my buddy Sebastian, outspoken. He's one of my students. Uh, Axel, I've never had any any uh, you know any back and forth, but he spoke up. And and that was another. There's a line in the song. It's time to take the stage. Um, that was directed at my peers. That line directly because I was stunned. I get where the common the, 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 the sense the common sense says, stay out of it. You're an entertainer. And I get that. And and I've over the years done that myself from time, you know, for, mm-hmm. for a large part. You know, don't get mixed up in everything. But comes a time when things are really serious where you need to speak the fuck up. And too many of my peers uh, not Axel, not Sebastian, not Tracy Guns, uh, not Richard Marks. God bless him. Never say a bad word about Richard Marks. I know he's right? a motherfucker on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he is. Uh, so, uh, but they, you know, but some of the others still stood by their guns. It's not my place. I shouldn't, you know, stay out of it. Well, is me, I, you know, you know what? We know we don't have an opinion. We don't have a voice. Let you me know, ask because so. people, you know, I don't buy the whole, you know, stick to singing musician. Where everybody can, is allowed stay to stay in your lane. That's the big one. Everyone has. You're, if you're a human, you have the right to have an opinion. Doesn't mean other people can listen to it or have to listen to you. But I want to ask about Axel and going, you know, on the stage. He hasn't. Tweet and obviously, if you can tell by my background and the podcast, you know that's the the theme of the of the show. Uh, he hasn't tweeted at all since the election, and it's like someone like him. And you you spoke about it earlier in the podcast, so I speak about this not just with him being more outspoken with pot, uh, politics, but mental health. I feel like Axel Rose would have such an impact. You know, someone like him, he's he's not he's dipped his toe in the stage on the stage. I guess maybe he was more. Uh, vocal uh, when there wasn't as you know, like during the 90s, but he isn't now. So that's something I want to see. You know, yeah, you're you're vocal. Even if I don't like what you're saying, if you're an Aaron Lewis or Ted Nugent, at least you're not dipping your toe in. Just go all in or all don't. So I don't I don't know. I kind of I want Axel to I, take the stage and just I don't know well, say something. You know, I mean, a lot of people um, once the election was was over. You know, and, and, and even I, I mean, I've toned down the rhetoric, uh, hmm. yeah. you know, I'm glad I'm happy with the outcome. I'm unhappy with, uh, you know, these 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 uh, the big lie people. But, uh, you know, it's at a certain point, like, 
you're not going to really change anything at, at this point, you know. So this is is no need to Overkill. come out guns blazing all the time. But you were talking about you know mental health, mm -hmm. um, and I just want to point out, yeah, I mean there is a great opportunity for uh, people to like Axel to help others, and um, I just want to. And I'm not blowing my own horn here. I'm just saying. I I, I just saying it's important. Jamie Josta came to me. And said, listen, I really think we should um, write, have a song about depression and, uh, and you know, uh, because it's really affecting so many people. And I said, Jamie, Jamie, two of my kids, two of my four children have dealt with it. It is a serious situation. It needs a song. It needs attention. I said, but I, I thankfully, I have not dealt with that. I said, so for me to write words about it, it's just it's 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 hollow. It's 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 not it's it's disingenuine. Wow. And I said, do you understand? He goes, I deal with it. I said, then you write those words. So it's the one song because I said and I'll sing them because I want a song about it. It is an important topic. I said and but and if you uh, I wrote all the other words, most of them, but I, Jamie wrote the words for that one because. He understood the pain. What and, track and, is that? Because I know he was, I've heard on him on a few tracks, right? But what, what track are you speaking of about? Oh, it's called Silent Battles. Okay, number six. Silent Battles. I'm sorry, I thought I said the name. Oh, no, that's yes, right. Silent Battles is about Amazing. depression and, and uh, how the feeling that, you know, a, an army of one, you know, uh, no, it's, it's, it's very sad how lonely these people feel. You know, I, um, I, I don't want to keep you for too long because I know you have to go, but I have to thank you. Uh, no, we're good. We're good to the top of the hour. Oh, perfect, perfect. I think you said the same thing to me last time, so thank you. I just try to be <laughs> well, professional. They give me ten minutes, you know, rest, and also just in case it goes over or whatever. Sure. And and, and I don't need ten minutes rest. You know, All I right. just need to All time right. to press the next button. So go. cool, because this is uh this is very important to me because the the secondary theme of the podcast is mental health because I talk about mine all the time. You know, I've been in therapy for. Oh, it's got, I'm going to be 38 later this year. I guess since I was 26, I was in therapy, and I feel like that was even too late. You know, for me, I tried when I was 14. I wasn't ready yet, uh, but I got my medication right here. I tried not to, to, to take it. My therapist goes, you need to take medication after a few months. Otherwise, I'm just going to be taking your money. You're not going to get any help. Like, it's just the, the science behind it. it had to be explained to me. And why, how I tied it into Guns N' Roses, because Slash just celebrated 15 years of sobriety. Duff looks, you know, he turned his life around. Axel, oh, I mean, yeah. he was sober for the most part, and Steven turning his life around. So these are things I talk about. Uh, oh, but by the way, I have, I have, I'm not above... Uh, seeing a psychiatrist, and I have. <laughs> I, not for depression, but I, I have absolutely been helped. And, and just this year, I, you know, it's, it, I highly recommend it. It's great to have talked to a professional, someone who can give you not just an ear, but also an outside view and understanding. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, uh, and I only I recently was going through something and went to see uh, a doctor and, 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 you know, and I'm so, no, I totally support that. I just haven't needed it for depression. Okay. Cause there are, of course, uh, it's, it's such a, um, different prism of, of, you know, d mental health diseases and there's different ways to attack it for different, there's no one co cookie cutter answer yeah. to solve everything. So thank you for admitting that. Cause I was going to ask, uh, 
how you know you've been able to you know a, a life a marriage that's been uh, longer than I've been alive. You know, you've been able to fight back in this band. You know, have comeback careers and be so successful, and you can seem like a happy guy all the time. You know, and I wanted to know if for you, if there are certain, I don't know if there's a secret, but if there are certain practices and meditations, mantra, certain people you do talk to in your family, like how do you stay on the right track? You know, I built an oasis, <laughs> and. I there's certain things that I had an odd wisdom early on uh, that I didn't drink, I didn't do drugs. I got drunk at 14. My first time I drank, and I laid on the floor vomiting. And and the, and the sober voice said, "If you ever let me stand up again, God, I will swear off demon alcohol." But I I at 14 I recognized I couldn't just have a drink. Hmm. I, you know, like your first drink, I didn't just first drink. I drank until I was on the floor vomiting. And I said, you've got to, this could be a problem for you. Stay away from that. Mm-hmm. And the same went with drugs. So I've made some wise choices. And one of the other wise choices was I met a girl at a young age, met the one, and I gave up the lifestyle in order to, and believe me, if I didn't, it would be on YouTube by now or Facebook. <laughs> I know so many guys whose marriages fell apart after Facebook because all of a sudden all these pictures started being posted. <laughs> there are none. Um, and uh, But I found a girl, and even though I didn't have success, I we started having children. And, uh, and thanks to Suzette's strength, the tough Brooklyn chick, hmm. um, she wouldn't put up. Well, I, I, I'd come through the front door and go, I'm a god. And she'd go, yeah, take out the diaper pail because it smells like shit. I'm like, what? Take out the diapers. They smell it. I'm like, okay. Like, she wouldn't allow. It was, we have a saying in my house, leave you cool at the door. Mm. Um, so I, this oasis where I came there, I shed the rock star. I shed the attitude. I shed the ego and became husband and became father and no matter how bad things got, when I lost everything in the, in the early 90s and I was broke and the van fell apart and I was struggling and start at a year with zero dollars income, zero. Wow. I um, uh, borrowing money to keep my family alive. I still had an oasis. These wonderful children who were happy to see me when I came through the door, they daddy, they yelled and you know, what I mean, so. I was, I didn't, it wasn't by design. I didn't realize I was creating an oasis. I didn't realize, oh, and this will be your safety net. I just made some good choices. And to have that really carry me through all the, the more difficult times. Right on. Is, uh, is she about her, the song? Absolutely. Okay. Someone said to me, is she about music? And I said, you know what? I mean, hmm. that is... Uh, I, I, you know, that is the beauty of, uh, you know, of a more cryptic S H E. What does it mean? What is it? Who is she? What is she? Right. And if you go back, uh, Rod Stewart had that song, uh, you're in my heart, you're in my soul. You'll be my friend when I get old. Mm-hmm. He was singing about soccer. <laughs> he loves soccer. He loves soccer ball and he loves to kick a ball around and that's like his solace. So it was, everybody said, Oh, it's about a girl. You know, it's about soccer, you know? So, but she, you know, I was, Returning to writing, which I did with this record the first time since the 90s, as I reflected on 
D. Snyder subject matter, rebellion and, you know, and, 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 and standing up and fighting back. And, uh, but I have consistently written songs about rock. Uh, I want to rock. I, yeah, I believe in rock. Uh, you can't stop rock and roll. <laughs> and so I got to rock again, seemed like a natural. And, uh, from time to time, I've written songs about my wife. You're not alone. Uh, uh you know, um, and other songs like that. And, um, uh, I said, well, you know, I, I, and I don't know. You never know. I thought last time was my last record. I don't know how many more records I'll do. I said, I think it's time for me to write a song about this incredible person who has literally, that oasis, well, it starts with, with her, you know, who's kept me, uh, who stood by me and kept me from, from just, and, and I came, I've come close to fucking it all up hmm. uh, that was the first my first bout with a psychiatrist was when <laughs> we nearly got divorced and uh we went to a marriage counselor and we went the first day and we spoke for a second she spoke i spoke and that said all right i want to spend some time with you for a while <laughs> <laughs> alone i'm like what you know like <laughs> me not her me and uh, i and i remember going uh three hours a day five days a week i said we're getting this over with I'm hiring you. I'll take half your day every day. And uh, I just went for like a month straight for a week, every, three hours a day, five days a week for a month. Working hard. And I said, okay, it's my mother. <laughs> Let's go. It's my mother. <laughs> so, but, uh, but anyway, but yeah, I nearly fucked that up too. But thankfully, um, she didn't leave me and uh, stuck with me. And, uh, and here we are 45 years later. And she got a song about her. I, she, I, got a, she got a song. I love that. <laughs> Usually she's unimpressed. Her favorite song, though, she got is, is uh, she asked me to write her a Christmas song. And I wrote The Magic of Christmas Day, God Blesses Everyone, for her okay. as a gift. And then the engineer on the session um, wound up working with Celine Dion. And she was looking for music. And he had a copy of this the tape I, that I had made for Suzette and played it for her and she wanted to record it. And so that wound up, you know, being right on a moneymaker. Yeah. Right on. Great record. Uh, a couple, I'll just cram a couple things in there since, uh, I know you, I can't keep you forever as gracious as you are. Go ahead. Uh, you mentioned just favorite songs, uh, and tie in my theme. Do you have a favorite guns and roses song of all time? Yeah. I, 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 I like, uh, when I'm a West Coast strutting, one bad motherfucking. I love Night Train. That is my favorite fucking Guns N' Roses song. Right on, because uh, I will give a shout out to one of my listeners, John Neighbor, who just saw you with Kings of K in Kings of Chaos in New Mexico, I believe. And Gilby Clark yeah. was there, uh, and you think you did knock it on Heaven's door. So it got me thinking, what what would D want to play or sing as Guns? I've done that. There's another all-star project that I that's called Yukon Cornelius, and it's actually made up of all jam band guys. People besides me, uh, uh, people from Bare Naked Ladies, N.E.R.D., Guster, uh, mm. Dave Matthews Band. And they bring me in because they was secretly they're all closet metalheads and hairband guys. Sure, and well. so they so they do their whole set and they and they jam around and, and you know covers and stuff. But it's all and then I come out <laughs> and suddenly their legs spread, their mouths open. The guitars drop down low, and they're all of a sudden they're all slash, you know, and <laughs> and so, and 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 they bring in a lot of people because Sebastian's worked on that. Brett Scallion's from Fuel's been a part of that. Okay. Um, and so we've had different people come out. Uh, Warren D. Martini comes out as the designated shredder, 
because they, they can't do the solos. Okay. So they said, we need a designated shredder. I said, I know Warren Martini. Like, you think he died? So, uh, <laughs> so Warren comes out and plays. He was with us. And so one of the times we did Yukon Cornelius a number of years ago, and you can find it online. Um, they said, I said, I always want to do Night Train. So uh, we do we do we do night do night night train. Uh, that was, that was, yeah. Okay. Right on. Uh, one quick one because you're um, I love horror. Any update as far as new horror stuff you're working on? Strange Land Two? Anything uh, regarding that? I wrote a movie called My Enemy's Enemy. Uh, it's a new level for horror, a new genre. I, want, I can't get into specifics because I'll be. I'm also developing a TV show that's. Um, inspired by the genre that I create with my enemy's enemy based on a crime on Long Island in 1982. And I took it and I, I threw a twist on it. Uh, and I'm going to be directing that. I was supposed to be directing it this fall, but it got moved back to the spring. So, uh, and it's, and the uh, producers are, um, the people who do the Halloween franchise. Oh, wow. Uh, are making this movie. So, um, that is my back door into a sequel for Strangeland nice. because okay. I, I, I because I couldn't seem to get a sequel made. So I'm figuring, well, if I get this movie made, and people reaction has been very strong to this screenplay I wrote, I said maybe if I if I have success with that, then I can go. Now can I make my Strangeland <laughs> sequel? So it's really just a trick. I'm I'm trick. I'm doing this movie, My Enemy's Enemy, so I can get ultimately get the sequel to Strangeland made. Well, I'm looking so fingers forward. crossed on that. I'm looking forward to both, but I'm also looking forward to, well, I've, I've heard it. The world is looking forward to it already. Leave a Scar uh, comes out July 30th. D. Snyder, thank you so much for your time again. I hope we, you know, you come back on, we talk more, you know, mental health, Guns N' Roses, you, you know, more anthemic rock. You're just, I, I, this goes by so fast. I'd, lo- I'd, I'd love to. Uh, great conversation and, uh, Keep doing what you do, man. Next time I see you, I've broken 300 shows, I'm sure. I'd I, I like to think so. I hope so. There's so much more. <laughs> it, it's just you know, what's going on in the back of my head. I'm like, I got to talk to D about this and this and this, but I can't do it. I can't do it. Next uh, time. Next time. Thank you, D, so much. Right, for, make notes. We'll do it next time. Okay, man. Take <laughs> you, care. You take care. Bye-bye. That was fun. To get D Snyder on again, thank you. Thank you, D. And I want to wrap up this episode by talking to you. Because this is going to be uh, a little bit of a break, maybe a, a week or two, uh, because I'm going away, going on vacation. I'll be in Arizona. Uh, I'm, I, I'm, I think I'm only going to be in Colorado's airport, but Arizona, Utah, I'll be in Chicago. First time in Arizona. I did reach out to Alan Niven, former Guns N' Roses manager who does live in Arizona, and hopefully we get to meet up. That would be really cool to meet Alan Niven and you know, break bread with him. And uh, as you know, it's been working on, still working on that Doug Goldstein book. Uh, slowly but surely, it's um, it's hard with different schedules, but it'll happen. Don't worry. And, and uh, before I forget, any questions, anything you want to read about in uh, in Doug's book, or any maybe questions about uh, what you read in Duff or Slash's book that you want Doug to address. Just email the show at the AFD show at gmail.com. But uh, so if I, if I have any followers or fellow Guns N' Roses fans in Arizona or Utah or Chicago, let me know. You can send me an email if you want. You can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as well. It would be it'll be nice to hit the road. It's it's weird. I don't know if I want to do a road episode. Maybe there will be one, but 
obviously the quality be will be a, a little different, but we'll, we'll see. And I'll be talking to you on social media sporadically throughout that time. But I want to end here with a message. You can I'm not going to play the soundbite for Mr. Milestone, basically just because I don't have it queued up. Uh, but I got a message on Instagram that I think is a nice way. It's, it's a nice thing to think about, maybe for me to think about as I take a break. And for, or for you, and, and perhaps you can help me on it. Perhaps you agree with uh, this message from Nako Nolan. Uh, so he writes uh, to me, first time, long time. You know, we was just catching up on some episodes and wanted to give you some constructive criticism. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, which one of the many things that I do wrong is this guy going to call me out on? Because to be honest with you, I, I catch my mistakes in my brain all the time. I know I mispronounce names. I know I get excitable and, and stutter at times. I like to think my interrupting problem has lessened. Uh, people do need to know that sometimes I interrupt only because the conversation needs to be directed in, in a different way. And yeah, you may not do that in, in real life because in real life, does a conversation need to be directed uh, only in therapy and on the radio? So, but yeah, there are times I get excitable and I'm like, oh, I want to talk about this. So yeah, there's a lot of things I'm like, oh, did I get a Guns N' Roses fact wrong? Which I'm sure there are a plenty, but you can always let me know. I am, I am a flawed human being. So he goes, Nako, as somebody who has to interview a lot of people at work as a detective and as a podcast host, I wanted to give you a heads up on some things I've noticed. Okay. You have a positive vibe, which is awesome, but you apologize a lot and come across as passive at times. I hear you apologize for taking a guest's time. They can send it to the interview and usually want to be there. So bring it. Brother, if they've called, if they've called in, you own them. Ask your questions and command the room. Take as long as you want. You don't have to be a dick of a host. Just be a solid host and have a great conversation with them. No one respects Weakness or sheepishness. Just my two cents from a fellow uh, Queens expat. Keep up the great work. Uh, he also writes, I got to hang out with Axel backstage at his uh, House of Blue show in L.A. for a few hours. Uh, one time his partner arrested Slash. <laughs> and also uh, Wyland got arrested at a station during the VR days. So uh, interesting. Nako seems to have an interesting uh, Guns N' Roses perspective. So let me just say, and I said this to Nako privately, thank you. Honestly, I, I take constructive criticism as long as it's presented in, a, in a, a, the manner that Nako did. And I'm not, my head's not in the sand either. I would think of anything that I, um, I, I might thank them too much. Yeah, I guess I, I, I'll apologize, but I guess there's a few a few things to, for me to think about maybe while I'm on vacation and perhaps you to think about and maybe help me with because I'm going to ask you for for some help, so for some advice. So if I had time, I was going to ask D. Snyder for, for uh, some advice, but maybe I'll ask you. Maybe I'll ask him next time. But I just get turned off by really any sense of not genuine ego. Uh, you can be confident. You know, that's something I've, I've struggled with. I mean, I think at this point in my life that it's a miracle 
that I'm in, in, engaged and, you know, all, my life is in a good place. You know, it's, it's not just with radio, just being confident in my real life with things. Yeah, that's, that's why I, one of the reasons why I went to therapy. But I also, again, I don't want to be one of those radio hosts. I don't want to be a fraud. Like, D doesn't want to be a fraud. He's not going to sing about mental health depression if he's never suffered from it. Man, I respect that comment so much. So I don't want to come off as cocky when I'm not cocky. That's just not who I am. It may lean too much in the other direction at times, but there's a few things I want to be honest with you about. And one of the reasons is what led me to you know, be a Guns N' Roses fan, and that's just kind of a... How Axel Rose is, you know, he can kind of like manic. You can be super angry. You can be super, you know, like tinkering with, with, with Chinese democracy. I feel like that's my life. I'm always tinkering with stuff and until it's just right. And as Doug likes to tell me, he's like, she's pregnant. The woman's pregnant. Like the baby's ready to go. Like, let go, let's go. Let's go. So I had to learn to just to, I've, I said to myself in the early days of making just short radio demos, I can't make this Chinese democracy, you know, and a Chinese democracy radio air check. I got to get to a point where this is good enough. This is me. Put it out there. Otherwise, it's just it's going to take 15 years or whatever, <laughs> you know, the Chinese democracy uh, timeline that you want to go by. So th- it's it's something that I do. I like to think I get better at. Um, but I also know like people like D. Snyder do a ton of interviews. He m- is better than the rest as far as understanding the deal of radio and, and being able you know understanding when it, understanding what it's like to talk so much. But there are guys who, you know, it could be their their fifteenth, tw- twentieth radio interview of the day. You have these like stupid alt rock DJs. You know, we talk about drugs and sex and back and blue. The same lame questions who don't do their research, and it's like, I just never want to be that. And also something that I, I, I do want to admit my fault in, I do enough research. And I think people give me credit on doing like way too much research. I do enough. Like if I had the chance to interview Axel Rose or if I had a producer and all these other things and I can have these sheets in front of me, yeah, I would do more. But then if I have if I'm too prepared, I'm going to be focused on my notes and not listen to what they're saying. And I don't want to do that. So there are things that I miss. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Am I going to be called out? So the, actually what he said, what you said, Nako, is just seeing who I am. So what I've just decided to do with this podcast over time as we talk about Guns N' Roses and all these other things is, you know, is myself. Because I'm the, you know, the captain of this, uh, this night train, you know, this podcast night train. Like it or not. So you got to get to know me. And I'm just trying to own it. And I want, it makes me want Axel, again, you know, as I talk about it, you know, listeners come out and thank me for talking about my mental health struggles. Imagine if Axel did that. Not to say he has to. That doesn't have to be, I want to make sure that's clear. Not everyone has to tell their story. Like Mick Jagger, I think he, he was having a hard time working on his autobiography. Look, if it's a hard time for you to talk about, I guess I get it. But Axel has spoken about it, so I kind of just want him to go in a little more. So, anyway, uh, I guess also with that, what I want your help with is that I know that I have, it's my heart of hearts, yeah, I would love to interview Axel Rose. What a dream. He's everybody's, you know, bucket list interview. You know, I'm nobody different. Well before this podcast started, I'm like, ah, 
you know, just in radio. My, my goals were to interview Axl Rose. And at that time, I had a massive crush on Lady Gaga. So I'm like, I want to interview Lady Gaga and ask to be her boyfriend on the air. Like, I'm such a loser. Oh, God, I'm so weird. So, but anyway, none of the, either of those things uh, seem very unlikely to happen. But what can happen, and hopefully with your help, and I've been thinking about this, is to interview the other guys. Now, yeah, I've had Dizzy Reed. I've had uh, Richard Fortas. I've had Frank on the show. And I don't know if I'm going to get anybody else. And I don't know if I'm going to get them on again either. Because without mentioning names, because I want to respect the people who gave me this information. And I've heard this from two different, if not three, three different sources, reliable sources. That after it was one time after the uh, a brain interview, like all oh, like it's not even that after a certain interviews I've done, uh, where like Guns N' Roses is really like the subject, and some sort of clickbait comes out, and Guns N' Roses management, I don't want to start singling people out like crazy because I I've never spoken to Team Brazil, I've tried, I've emailed. A few times over the years, very politely. Uh, no response, which I do understand to a degree. However, when these very reliable sources tell me that after my Frank interview, when that you know made some press, I don't about I don't think anything bad. It's never anything that bad that I talk about, really. Uh, that. It, there was a, a message, a text sent out by Guns N' Roses management to the, let's just call it not big three. So everybody that that's not Axel Slash and Duff. That all interviews need to go through them. Sure, understood. And I was specifically named. I heard this from a few people. Two, three uh, again, I'm trying to keep it somewhat vague because I don't want anyone uh, thinking I'm outing them and, and, and breaking their trust. But it's gotten to a point where it it hurts. Where if this podcast is going to continue and this band is continuing as they continue to announce dates. And not only am I being blocked from interviewing Guns R- current Guns N' Roses members who I've had on the show already. But there are some of those members have like side projects. And some of those sub-projects band members are afraid to come on the show. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, I proved myself, I think, a lot with uh, the Miles Kennedy interview. As far as the uh, the Slash camp. Uh, so I'm hoping that happens one day with, with Slash. I could talk to him. You know, I, I'm going to reach out to, you know, see if I can just talk to him about sobriety. Uh, Duff, I really do ha- hope happens. I, I finally got in touch with the the separate management that canceled Duff's interview with me. And I thought that guy hated me for some re- what, like, reason because he was blocking me from other bands. Yeah. Uh, why I can't get Dirty Honey on here. But I've talked to that person and he's just super protective of his client. And again, what am I going to do but I spoke about this because with the Iron Maiden 
uh, interview where I had to take out the Guns N' Roses part, you know, uh, because of what Blabbermouth might do to it. Again, these are, how is that my fault? I'm not asking set up questions, you know, to put them. And I say, I said this to D before we recorded. And I know D of all people would laugh. And he did laugh. What I said, is there anything you don't want to talk about? And I say this, I say this because I, it's pre-recorded, Yeah. But I don't want any gotcha. So it's been relayed to me. There have been, uh, you know, two, three, four times that a representative of Guns N' Roses management has complained about this show. I don't know. I have been told not to take it necessarily personally, but I don't know how not to. They don't know me. I don't know them. So I think what I need your help with is because I'm, I'm just not that big of a deal. You know, if, 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 I don't know if, if people were saying no to Howard Stern or no to Joe Rogan, would that make some waves? Maybe. I think so. But I'm saying no to Brando. Who the fuck am I? So I need your help. If you happen to, when you go to shows this summer, wherever you are, and the and Team Brazil is very, uh, again, I, I go from a perspective of, I don't know them, but I see... When fans go out, they seem to be very fan fan uh, fan friendly, taking pictures with uh, with fans and appreciative, and they have public Instagrams, Beta Labase, uh, Fernando Labase. Maybe I will say it, but their their management, they've who I've reached out to politely, and you can say, hey, I would really love to hear Melissa Reese on the podcast, because you know what. She would like to be on the podcast. I've been told that. But she's not allowed. So I'm being deprived. My career is being deprived of these really awesome opportunities. And you are being deprived of interviews. For what? What am I going to do? I've offered. And uh, there's a, a Twitter page that made fun of me. which, But I... It didn't bother me because it is what it is. But how do you interview Richard Fortas? How do you interview a Guns N' Roses member and not ask any Guns N' Roses questions? Well, I did that to prove a point, hopefully, that I could talk to these guys and not ask any Guns N' Roses dirt or ask about new music or anything that could be a hot button issue, as stupid as they may sound. Because these should not be big issues. You know, talking about the band that you're in talking about music that you're supposed to be working on those are big deals but i will play ball and not do and not ask so i've said things and tweeted things here and there and i want to be professional and i don't want to seem bitter or ungrateful or but i'm i'm getting frustrated it's 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 it hurts my feelings and i want to see how strong you are the bad apples of appetite for distortion so if you message them, nothing bad. And if you meet them, nothing bad. I'm not, it's, this is no sort of, uh, this isn't a, a march on the Capitol. This is a very passive, uh, you know, maybe passive in this way. I'm sorry, maybe you, you won't like this. But I want you to, it's Nako, you won't like this, Nako. But a passive way of just saying, hey, I would really love to hear Del James 
on the on the podcast. And that might be hard. Dell's very responsive on Twitter, so that's that I appreciate. But to get you know, Richard Fortas back on. Get Dizzy back on. To get Melissa on at all. So it's like until I break those barriers, it's gonna be how hard is it? It's still gonna get to get Duff and Slash and to even get an Axel Rose. Cause it makes me feel good. Because I see messages all the time. Oh, you're going to get Axel one day. Believe it or believe it, believe it. And as my, my cat just pressed a button, so thank you so much. Maybe I needed that. My cat decided to press mute on the board. <laughs> oh, man, I need a vacation. But how am I supposed to get, you know, reach the heights of an Axel Rose if I'm being banned from certain interviews? So, I, you know, I may do an online campaign. But these are the things I need your help with. So if I see more people getting shirts and Redbubble, putting it out there, Appetite for Distortion name on there. I, I barely mention, but you know, I have a Patreon. If you want to contribute to that, I would love to make this show grow by adding a, a nicer looking camera or, or making my setup better so the show looks better and we get bigger and bigger guests you know, by just making everything look better you know, and, and hopefully get to a point where I can do giveaways. But, you know, what I've been able to do with everything limited, you know, with limited budget and a limited uh, guest pool, we've made it this far. But let's push. Let's push farther. You know what? So maybe I will take your advice a little bit, Nako, where I want, I would like my listeners to be, uh, you know, a very positive and uh, non-aggressive approach to spreading, <laughs> trying to get Guns N' Roses people on the show. I just don't want anyone turning this around and being like, oh, we get marching. I don't need a, like a soupy sales moment. Look it up, kids. Uh, but I wanted, maybe I need to be aggressive though with this. Maybe I need to start calling people out. Does that need to happen? Because it's not usually my style, but maybe it needs to be. Maybe we need to push. Hashtag... Get Melissa Melissa Reese on the on the on the podcast. That's a shitty hashtag. That's why I'm not good. That's why I'm, I'm not good at things trending. I need you to help me. You know, uh, free Britney, free, free the free the interviews. <laughs> Maybe does that work? I don't think so. Anyway, as a rambling, I just because I know I'm going to be gone for a little bit from the microphone. Uh, so as you just continue to support, however you've been doing it, whatever you choose to do. If you want to, you know, shoot Beta or or Fernando a DM being like, hey, Appetite for Distortion, that show, the guy, Brando, he's pretty cool. He's nice. You shouldn't hate him. You know, the show is okay. And I also will say that um, supposedly of all the evils, because I'm associated with uh, AlternativeNation.net, Brett, with all the clickbait, he will, he's always changed the, the clickbait if I've asked him to. So, I'm doing everything I can to make this show as as good as that can be. But in the meantime, we'll just get great guests, despite all that shit. Right? Alright, so that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. When will you see the next episode? Well, like I said, I'm going to be away for a couple weeks. Arizona, Utah, Chicago. I hope to meet some of you out there. Uh, follow along on, on social media, facebook.com slash the AFD show, at the AFD show. 
uh, Instagram, Appetite for Distortion. Again, email uh, show at gmail.com to, to check in. That's how the conversation continues between the broadcast. But as far as the next episode, when will you see it? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it. I don't know if soon is the word. Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.